All right. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Eaglebrook Church. Really good to have you with us today. If you're at one of our seven campuses around the Twin Cities or if you're viewing this message online someplace around the world, always grateful to have every single one of you with us. Hey, before I dive in, I want to celebrate what God did last weekend across all of our campuses. We had 941 people get baptized. Isn't that unbelievable? Some, sometimes I'll read a story in the paper or something like that, and it will talk about how churches are dying and Christianity is dying and people are walking away. And then I see that 941 people declared publicly their faith in Jesus Christ. And I'm reminded that God is still at work in people's lives today. If you are one of those 941, we just want to say how proud of you we are. It takes a lot of courage to stand up in front of your church family and in front of God and to make a commitment like that. But here's what we believe. We believe that if you will obey God in the first things, like baptism, that it'll be easier to obey God in other areas of your life. And it's obedience that brings God's blessing. There's no magical secret to this, but when you honor God and you obey God, there's a blessing that gets poured out in your life. And so we're so excited to see what God is going to do this year. Today, we are wrapping up a three-week series called Holy Wow, and we've been asking the question, what wows you? In the world we live in today, with all the information and technology that's at our fingertips, is there anything anymore that makes you go, wow? So far in this series, we've said that God's sending his son, that we didn't have to try to be good enough to earn God's approval and to save ourselves, but God took the initiative and sent his son to save us, that ought to wow us. And then last week, our senior pastor, Bob Merritt, said a changed life. I mean, no greater miracle than to see a human heart changed by Jesus Christ, that ought to wow us as well. Today's message is titled, Christ in Me. Because the Bible says that the Spirit of God is not in a temple someplace, only accessible by a priest or a pastor, but the Spirit of God. It lives in every person who's put their faith in Christ. Several years ago, a friend of mine gave me and some of our other pastors at the Lionel Lakes campus twins tickets. And the tickets were for the Champions Club. The Champions Club is right behind home plate, very nice seats. And it was a wow experience for me going the first time. First of all, they had valet parking. So no parking in the ramp and waiting in lines. That was a wow. Then they had the Twins World Series trophies from 1987 and 1991, right when you walked in the door. Those are like practically the highlights of my childhood. So this was a huge wow for me. Then they had these logs that had the Twins logo burned into them. I don't know why, but that was a huge wow. I'm like, look at those logs. Like, it was just, it was amazing. And then it was raining out that day. And so the twins were taking batting practice in these batting cages that you could see through a window. And Denard Spann, who was on the twins at that time, I'm pretty sure he looked at me. (laughs) I'm like totally sure about that, but I was pretty certain that he looked at me and was kind of gave me one of these. And I felt like a little kid again. I wanted to be like, Denard, you know, like, just so excited, but I, I kept my cool. I was like, sup, nerd. And, but that was a wow for me. And then the food. I mean, you're talking beef tips from Butcher and the Boar. I did not fit in. I was like, where's them nachos with the cheddar cheese on top? You know, I just didn't exactly fit in at the Champions Club. 
For instance, when before we drove down, I was driving my van with everybody in it for the game, and a few days before we went, my son was out playing basketball in the driveway. And he had a shot that ricocheted off the front rim and hit my windshield with such a force that it knocked my rearview mirror off. So it was dangling there. And when you would drive, you'd have to duck it sometimes because it would kind of swing over and hit you in the head. Then that same day, my dashboard lights went out. I later found out it was a computer glitch, but even with the headlights on, you couldn't see anything on the dashboard. That was the van that I drove to valet parking. We were all watching the valet attendant when he went and got it. We were all standing up against the window. This was like the highlight of the night. He went there, he turned on the car, he squinted at the dashboard, pushed a bunch of buttons, squinted again, finally threw it in reverse, whack, got hit right in the face with my rear view mirror. He got back, I said, I'll bet you're not used to driving such a high quality vehicle. Poor kid was used to driving Beamers and Jags all day long. He did not know how to handle my swagger wagon. <laughs> but, but here's my point. Just think about this. How did I gain access to all of those benefits? Well, it was, it was through my friend who had season tickets. Without him, I'm parking on the roof of the ramp. I'm standing in line waiting to scan my ticket. I'm eating dollar dogs out in left field like normal. But because of him, I gained access to the fullness of God's presence at Target Field. Truly, that's what it was. When God created the first human beings, Adam and Eve, he freely walked throughout the garden, God did. And he was accessible to anyone who wanted to talk to him or speak to him. Then, a little bit later, God told the Israelites to build what was called a tabernacle, and that was simply a tent. But it was said that in the tabernacle, God would speak to Moses face-to-face, but only Moses. Everybody else had to observe from the upper deck. Then a little bit later, Solomon, who was the king of Israel at that time, he built this elaborate temple for God. And in the temple, there was this place called the Holy of Holies, and it was the Champions Club. I mean, it was the most sacred place. It was said that God's presence most fully dwelt in the Holy of Holies. Once a year, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies to make a sacrifice for the people's sins, but only the high priest. Everybody else was strictly forbidden. So forbidden, in fact, that before the high priest would enter, they would tie a rope around his ankles. That way, if he happened to die while he's in the Holy of Holies, they could just pull him out, and nobody would have to go in after him. With that as a backdrop, I want to read to you a verse from the New Testament. And this is a verse that should wow you, but I'm going to be honest and say at first it's probably not going to. But if you were in the group of people who heard this for the very first time, this was like a fall off your donkey, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, toss off your toga, go running into the Jordan River. This is unbelievable kind of stuff. Here's what the verse says. Paul writes, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. Now we read that verse today and we go, hmm, okay. My, my body is a temple. I mean, John, John Mayer said that our body is a wonderland 
And here's this Paul guy, and he says our bodies are a temple. I mean, I guess that's a good thing. But if you were listening to those words for the very first time, you would have said, wait, what? You're telling me that the same spirit that's in the temple, that elaborate, amazing building over there, that, that, that spirit's in me? My body is the temple? You're telling me that the spirit that is in the holy of holies, the most sacred place that only the priest has access to, that I don't have to be a priest or a pastor, but it lives in me, any believer? That's a wow. Romans 8.10 says it this way. Paul writes, since Christ lives within you, even though your body will die because of sin, your spirit is alive. Because you have been made right with God. And then he says the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. That the same spirit that took the lifeless body of Jesus Christ and got the blood flowing and the heart beating again lives in you. The same spirit that took the breathless body of Jesus Christ and poured oxygen into his lungs again. It lives in you. The same spirit that brings dead things back to life, it lives in every single person who's put their faith in Christ. As human beings, we have learned the power of the atomic bomb. I mean, we've learned amazing power, but we have never figured out how to bring a dead person back to life again. Jesus says that kind of power, the same power that rose me back to life, it lives within you if you've put your faith in Christ. That ought to wow us. David, Moses, Elijah, all the other great heroes of the Old Testament, they might approach you in heaven one day and they might go to you, hey, tell me what that was like. I mean, you, you had the same spirit in you that rose Jesus Christ from the dead, and you were just walking around with it, driving your car, talking to people, and it was in that, what did that feel like? They might come up to you and go, that same spirit that was in the temple, and David's like, I, I couldn't even go into the temple. I was the king. I wasn't the high priest. That, that was just living inside of you. That must have been amazing. And sadly, some of us are gonna look at them and we're gonna go, I don't know. I guess I never really thought too much about it. It's because we've never learned to access that power. No need to raise any hands, but how many of us have come to a place in life where we just go, you know what, I, I don't know what to do. I am just so stuck right now. I have tried so hard. I have worked at this. I have tried my very best, but I have just hit a wall. And no matter what I do, it's the same issue in this relationship. It's the same issue at work or at home. And I just, I don't know what to do. I don't have the power to overcome this. How many of us have a circumstance or a situation in life that we're a little bit worried about? You know, maybe for you, there's a meeting coming up at work and it could go either way. Or you've got a friend who's been engaging in some destructive behavior and you just know that God wants you to confront them but you're nervous as to how they're gonna respond. You've caught one of your kids lying. You're getting bullied at school. You had a falling out with a business partner or a conflict with your ex and now you're headed to court. I mean, I'm telling you, life is hard. 
But what if I told you that there is a power available to you? It's a power that can overcome sin. It's a power that can get you through difficult circumstances in life. And that power, it's accessible. It's in you. Christ in you. But you got to learn how to access that power. You got to learn how to release that power. How do you do that? Let me give you three ways. Here's the first one you got to let go of yourself. Too many times I wake up and I realize that for the past week or two, it's been about me. My opportunities, my situation, my circumstances, my relationships, my feelings, me, me, me. You want to tap into the power of Christ, you've got to let go of yourself. Look what the Bible says in Galatians 2.20. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. I love this verse. He says, I myself no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So I live my life in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's always been one of my favorite verses. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. What does that mean? Well, it means that he's died. That's what a crucifixion is. It's, it's a death. It's why he says, I myself no longer live, which means that my life isn't about me, 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 and your life isn't about you, you, you. That really we find life when we trust in the Son of God who loves us and gave himself up for us. But when it comes to trusting God, this is so critical. You have to learn to receive it and not seize it. Maybe this illustration will help. On the day before Black Friday, one of my sons came to me and he slapped down a Black Friday ad. And it was for $200 off a Xbox One that came with a free NBA 2K game. And my son just said to me, he said, hey, I've been saving my money for five years. I haven't spent it on anything. And he's right. He's super frugal. I mean, never spends money. He says, wake me up at three o'clock in the morning. I'm buying an Xbox One. I said, well, you better buy a car first so that you can get there, because I'm not driving you. <laughs> My wife and I had read some of the research about what video games can do to kids' brains, and so we've always been kind of hesitant to buy a video game system, but I'm getting soft. And I've got five kids now, and I just I'm gave up. I'm like, brain, who cares? Like, I just, I'm just trying to get through life, right? Like, you figure out your own brain. And besides, I really wanted to play NBA 2K myself, okay? <laughs> That's what this really came down to. So I went to my wife and I said, you know, it's for the kids, you know, kind of thing. And, and I said, but what if we surprise them and get it to them as a gift on Christmas? And so we did. We bought it without them knowing and we were going to give it to them on Christmas. But on Black Friday, here's what I heard. I heard things like, you are so strict, so unfair, whatever, the worst. It's my own money. Why can't I even spend my own money? This is ridiculous. I went on a walk and I told my neighbor, I'm like, I bought the thing for him and I'm getting hammered all day long. <laughs> they said, video record it and show it to him on Christmas. <laughs> I wish I would have done that. But here's the point. He already had the Xbox One. 
He already had it, but I wanted him to trust me and receive it as a gift, and he wanted to seize it in his own power. When it comes to the power of Christ, when it comes to the Spirit of God living in you, God says, if you're a believer, you already have it. You don't have to try to seize it in your own power and your own strength. Here's what you need to do. You need to trust in the Son of God who loves you and gave himself up for you. Now, how do you do that on a really practical basis? Well, let's say you have that meeting at work that I talked about that you're just a little bit nervous about. It could go either way. What if you prayed before you entered that meeting? God, the spirit who is in me, he who is in me is greater than he who is in this world. And I'm gonna go into this meeting, God, and I am just gonna trust you. Maybe you're dealing with a bully at school and every day you walk in and you just see him and you just need to start to pray. He who is in me, the spirit, the power of Christ in me is greater than he who is in this world. And I don't care what they say or do to me today, nothing's gonna take away Christ in me. Maybe you're in a situation where you're really struggling with a sin in your life and it's your anger or your unforgiveness and you just start to pray, I have the same spirit in me that rose Christ from the dead. And by that power, God, I will overcome. I can handle this difficult circumstance or situation in my life. You need to pray that prayer, not once, not twice, but you need to pray it daily, moment by moment when you need it. And you will start to let go of yourself and you will start to tap into Christ in you. Here's the second way that you can gain access to Christ in you. It's that you have to keep yourself pure. Now earlier I read to you the verse that said that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. But what I didn't read to you is the verses right before it and the verses right after it. So let me show you the whole context here. It says this, run away from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. He says, or don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? So there's where he says that. Who lives in you and was given to you by God. He says, you do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price so you must honor God with your body. Paul says it's unbelievable. That, that spirit of God that was only accessible to a high priest in the temple, it now lives within you. But then he makes this startling connection. He says, if the spirit of God lives in your body, then you do not belong to, your body does not belong to you. Christ lives there. And when you sin sexually, what are you using? Well, you're using your body. Paul says, how can you use the body that Jesus Christ lives in to sin? This is a big deal. Now, when you see those two words, sexual immorality, what, what pops into your mind? I'll just say that for me, I have this image of, of an older grandpa who's just railing on kids these days and their sexual immorality. Or I think about some street preacher and he's on a college campus and he's in the courtyard or the commons area standing up on a box and he's preaching and he's condemning everyone to hell because of their sexual immorality. And so when I hear those two words, I'm kind of going, well, what do you really mean when you say that? When God's word says that you should run 
from sexual sin and sexual immorality. What does that really mean? Well, here's what it would have meant to the people who heard it for the first time, which is really how you interpret the Bible. Here's what the author intended. Here's what the people would have understood him saying. It meant any sexual act outside the context of marriage. And marriage was defined by Jesus as between a man and a woman. So let me spell this out for you as clearly as I possibly can. And this again, this is just what God's word says. That sexual immorality is any sexual act outside the context of marriage. Now I realize that when I say that, that many of us have had sex outside the context of marriage, maybe before you were married or something like that. And so it gets a little bit uncomfortable to talk about. I'm gonna talk to you directly in just a moment. But for right now, I wanna talk to those of you who are single and you are a believer in Christ. Let me ask you this question. When Paul says, run away from sexual sin, why do you think he said that? Why do you think God cares? Why, why doesn't God just say, you know what, as long as you're two consenting adults, as long as you love one another, it's okay with me. Why does he care about that? Well, the answer comes down to the next verse. No other sin so clearly affects the body. No other sin has, has, has such a permanent effect on a person's body. You think about that we do things permanently to our body all the time. I mean, just take tattoos, for example. That's a permanent drawing on your body, and yet Paul doesn't even mention that here. He's not like, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, so why are you drawing stuff on it? The whole New Testament never even mentions tattoos. It's because a tattoo really isn't that permanent. And that's good news, because I did some research this week, and I found some people who probably wish they could redo their tat. My mom is my angle. Always make sure your tattoo artist knows how to spell, right? This is important. Sorry, mom. I don't know what that means. Next one here, I love this one. No regrets. No regrets. Just get a tattoo right on you, and then you have a regret as the result. But here's my point. If you want to spend the money, if you want to endure the pain, you can have a tattoo removed. Or at the very least, you can have it faded so much so that people can't really tell. When it comes to sexual intimacy, when two people engage in that, is that permanent or not? I think most people in our culture today would say, I don't think so. We've so taken the sacred out of sex that today we use phrases like, oh, we hooked up. We just hooked up. You know, we were hanging out and we just, you know, we ended up hooking up. And, and what they mean is we just had casual sex. No strings attached, no real commitment with one another. It's just, I wanted to feel good, you wanted to feel good, and, and so we hooked up. But here's the problem that single people, particularly young single people, are running into today in the hookup culture we live in. When God designed sexual intimacy, here's what he said. He said, the two become one. That's how God designed it to be. And when it says the two becoming one, that's not just physical we like to think it's just physical. And if you can avoid the physical consequences, well, then that's safe sex, so to speak. But sex is deeply emotional. It's deeply spiritual. It's two souls being united as one. And God doesn't say this because he's against you or he doesn't love you. God says this because he loves you and wants the best for your life. 
But here's what God did not intend. God did not intend for you to become one with this person and then rip off and then become one with this person over here and then go, ah, it didn't really work out, and then rip off and then go become one with this person. Because over time, there's a tearing of your soul that causes innumerable damage. And some of you, you know what this is like. Something permanent has happened. The two have become one. He says, no other sin so clearly affects your body. If you are here today and you are single and you are a believer in Christ, I cannot urge you strongly enough to make a commitment right now that you are going to reserve sex until marriage. Why would you want to use the body that Jesus Christ lives in to do something that God says is going to hurt you and harm you in the long run? Make a commitment to purity. And I truly believe God will bless that. God will honor that in your life. Now, if you're someone who's a believer and you're single, but you're having sex before marriage, I've got really good news for you. That if you will come before God and go, God, you know what? I, I recognize now that I shouldn't have been doing that. And would you forgive me? God will take out the ultimate tattoo remover. And he will purify you and he will cleanse you and he will make you right with God. Now, you're gonna have emotional consequences and, and tapes and baggage in your mind. You're gonna have to work through that. But you are gonna be as right with God as someone who didn't have sex before marriage. And here's why this is so important to me. Because I wonder if some of us aren't experiencing the presence of Christ in our life because of the presence of sin in our life. A few weeks ago, my garage door was beeping at me, garage door opener. And I hate when that happens because I never know what I'm doing. But this time I thought, you know what? I can do all things through YouTube who strengthens me. <laughs> so I went on YouTube and it was so easy. I mean, you just unscrew it, take the battery out, unplug it. I took it over to Home Depot. I said, hey, where are your garage door batteries? And they're like, I don't even know if we carry that. And that was my first clue that something was weird. So I went home and I told my wife, I said, they didn't even have garage door batteries at Home Depot. She said, I'm pretty sure our garage doors are plugged in. <laughs> I went out to the garage, I looked up, and I said, you know, you're right. <laughs> so embarrassing that my wife knows these things and I never noticed. <laughs> but the thing was plugged in, so I texted a friend, he said, oh, you probably just tripped one of your outlets, you know, go find an outlet in the garage, red light will be on, push the button, sure enough, he was right. But here's my point. Here's what sexual sin does. Sexual sin unplugs the outlet of God's power into your life. You sit around and you go, well, if Christ is in me, then how come it doesn't seem like that? It doesn't feel like that. Paul says this, no other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. If it doesn't feel like you have the presence, the power of Christ in your life, here's what you need to do. You need to check your outlets. Sin, sexual sin can short circuit the power of God in your life. And what you need to do is you need to hit the reset button. The Bible calls that repentance. It says you stand before God and go, God, I need to start over. What I did was wrong, and I'm going to do everything I can not to do that again. And I'm telling you, the power of God turns back on in your life. But you got to keep yourself pure. Here's the third way you can access Christ in you. It's this, pray, because prayer is how you release the power of God. I am telling you, the power that you need in life for that situation that you can't overcome, it's not you. It's Christ in you. Ephesians 3.16 says this, I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, 
He will give you mighty power and strength through his Holy Spirit. Did you notice that word unlimited? There's no limit to what God can do in your life. God's not like, you know what, I helped you last week. And now you're asking me for help again? There's no limit to what God can do. There's no limit to how God can work in a person's life. He is greater than your greatest problem. His grace is greater than your greatest sin. Jeremiah says it this way. He says, Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Who needed to hear that this weekend? That nothing is too hard for God. That situation in your life, that circumstance in your life that feels too hard, and you're going, I can't do this anymore. God's going, nothing is too hard for me. There's not one situation or circumstance that is too hard for me. And guess what? Christ is in you. But don't just take my word for it. You've got to experience this for yourself. You know, underneath this box is a bag of Sour Patch Kids. And there's a lot of things in life I love. I love my wife. I love my kids. I love sports, but I love Sour Patch Kids. But I do have to tell you that about a year ago, I stopped eating Sour Patch Kids. And I tell you that because the last time I used an illustration with Sour Patch Kids, dozens of you graciously sent me packets of Sour Patch Kids. I had extreme Sour Patch Kids, homemade Sour Patch gummies, big bulk bags from Costco and Sam's Club. Y'all almost killed me, okay? So just, I'm just telling you, don't send them to me this time. It's okay. But I used to love these things so much that when I would start opening the bag, I could feel my mouth starting to water and to salivate because I've tasted them before. Now, I could read you the ingredients, which are sugar, invert sugar, and corn syrup, which is sugar, I could tell you that it has hydrochloric acid, which is a corrosive used to remove rust, uh, that it has paper potassium hydroxide, which is used to make alkaline batteries, and sodium hydroxide, which is used to make detergents and drain cleaners, but that still would not capture the sweet and refreshing, yet sour and tangy goodness that is found in Sour Patch Kids. I mean, you could hear me talk about that, but until you taste one for yourself, you will not know how sweet and sour they really are. Here's what I believe. Prayer is how you taste the power of God. I believe we've got a slide for that. Prayer is how you taste God's power. You see, you can hear other people talk about prayer. And you can hear other people talk about how God has worked in their life and how God's changed their life. But until you pray, you will know it rationally. But you will not know it experientially. Prayer is how you taste God's power. Colossians 1.21 says this, this is the secret, Christ lives in you. You wanna know what the secret is to life, or what the secret is through your problems or your situations? He says, Christ lives in you. Author Elizabeth Elliot says, the secret is Christ in me, not me in a different set of circumstances. That is so true. So many of us today are like, God, just get me out of this circumstance. Just, I need to get out of this marriage. I need to meet someone else. I need to marry someone different. God, just get me out of this job. I just need a new job. 
Get me out of this school. Get me a new group of friends. Get me off of this team. Get me onto a different team. God, just change my circumstances. And the secret is not you in different circumstances. The secret is Christ in you. I was on a plane this week, and the woman sitting in the row in front of me was having a phone conversation before our flight took off, and it was the most animated, intense conversation I have ever heard in public. She used a very bad word, the baddest of the bad words, about 10 times when she was yelling at this person on the phone. At one point, she said to this person that she was going to tell everyone that they had a sexually transmitted disease. Now, at this point, all of us on the plane are like, And so finally, the you know, person who worked for the plane, they came by, they said, hey, you know, you, you gotta turn your phone off. And so she finally did, and right away, she pulled out her laptop. And for the next two hours, she, she typed up you know, all the things that this person had done wrong. And I know that, because I peeked through the seats. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have done that, but I was just so curious. And, and he wasn't a good guy. I mean, he really was, according to her, very manipulative, lies about things. I mean, there's all sorts of, I could give you a whole list. But, <laughs> but for two hours, she just sat there typing up a whole record of wrongs. And as we were getting off the plane, everything in me wanted to talk to her. But I was scared. She scared me. <laughs> and so... As we were walking off the plane, we got into the airport and we were walking down this hallway. And I looked over and she was walking right next to me. And so I had been listening to this message or I had been practicing this message on the plane and just in a moment, without even really thinking, I just reached over and I put my hand on her shoulder as she was walking. And I said, are, are you okay? And she never even made eye contact with me one time to, to see who I was. She just said, no. And I said, well, can I pray for you? And she said, yes. And you could see that she was a very closed off person and she was starting to lose it emotionally. And so she tried to get away from me. She, she actually turned into the men's bathroom and then she was like, oh, you know. And, and then she kind of took off down the hallway. And I never got to pray for her in person, but as she was moving, as she was walking away, I thought, God, what she needs is she needs the presence of Jesus Christ living within her. I know she thinks she needs a different circumstance and needs a different relationship and that that would solve her problems, but really, God, if I could give her one thing, it would be your spirit, your presence living inside her, guiding her and speaking to her and loving her. That right now, God, she would be able to trust in you, the Son of God, who loves her and gave his life up for her. And maybe that's you today. Maybe what you need is not to be in a different circumstance or a different situation.
But maybe what you need is Christ in you. Or maybe if you have Christ in you, maybe you need to begin to pray prayers like, God, he who is in me is greater than he who is in this world. So I will not live in fear of that person. God, I have the same spirit in me that rose Christ from the dead. And so this feels impossible. This feels too hard for me, but it's not too hard for you, God. Who needs to be reminded of that today? I want to pray for all of us, and you can remain seated at all of our campuses. And we're going to ask that God would reveal his presence and his power in your life right when you need it. Christ in you, let's pray. God, if there's anybody here who just feels like, God, I can't do it. I have so hit the wall and I've tried everything on my own. God, I pray today that they would trust in you, the Son of God who lives in them and loves them. Christ, you are in us. You're greater than anyone else, anything else in this world. God, if there's a person here who has never put their faith in Christ, pray that they would turn to you right now in this moment so that your spirit, your presence, your power would live within them. And God, for the rest of us, I just need to be reminded this week that that what I need is not different circumstances. What I need is not more of myself and my own strength and power. But I need more of you. I need more of your presence, more of your power in my life. God, we all pray that for ourselves. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you need prayer, come on down front. Otherwise, have a great weekend, everybody.